helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome, my name is Melissa Waggett and I'm the co-host of the Life Transformation Show with Michael Hart. I am so excited that you are joining us this morning. You've probably heard that trust, honesty, and communication are key ingredients for a healthy relationship. But underpinning all of these things is something we do not talk about enough, and that is emotional intelligence. For us to successfully implement these key ingredients in our relationships, we need to understand how being emotionally intelligent impacts these areas. The great thing about emotional intelligence is that it's a skill we can practice and improve. During today's show, we will be discussing the five signs of emotionally intelligent couples. So grab a pen. This show will be full of important information that will help you get the most out of your relationships. As mentioned, I will not be exploring this topic alone. With me in studio is Michael Hart. Michael is a registered psychotherapist and the director of Elam Counseling Services. Elam is a nonprofit organization providing counseling at subsidized rate. If you would like to donate us to this ministry and help us provide these services, we encourage you to support us by going to our YouTube page and selecting Donate. You can also visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at one 544 and make a donation. So, Michael, I want to give you a very warm welcome this morning. I am so excited to be with you in studio and exploring this really important topic. Thank you very much, Melissa, and it's so wonderful to be here with you as well. This is such a very important topic and something that I have always wanted to do. I know that before we have talked about emotion, emotional intelligence in terms of the individual, but we haven't talked about it in terms of couples. And there is not a lot that have been written about emotional intelligence when it comes to the couple's relationship. So I think this show is going to be very helpful for our listeners today. So we have five signs of emotionally intelligent couples that we're going to be covering today and it's going to be very interesting. And so Michael as you said in the past we have explored the concept of an emotional intelligence but do you do you mind for my sake giving me a bit of a reminder about what is emotional intelligence? Well I think I'll start by giving a quotation from Daniel Coleman and Daniel Coleman is a science journalist and he's, he's the author who wrote the book uh, emotional emotional intelligence why it's why it can matter more than IQ and he quote he, he, he defines emotional intelligence as quote the capacity for recognizing our own feelings and those of others for motivation for motivating ourselves and for managing emotions well in ourselves and in our relationships, unquote. So it's about understanding your feelings. It's about understanding how your feelings impact others, but it's also about being able to read the emotions of others in relationships. So today, as we look at the five signs of emotional intelligent couples, we're going to be seeing how emotions play such an important role in the health and the quality of the couple's relationship. And so like we often do in this show, you've been able to pull from scripture examples of how this concept has yes. been 
demonstrated and in some times maybe a lack of emotional intelligence so to speak so do you mind um explaining to us the stories you found found and why you feel they're a reflection of either positive emotional intelligence or the opposite someone lacking it well i think of the series that we did on the foundations of godly families the series that we did if you have missed that series as listeners i would encourage you to go to our our website and listen to those podcasts in those podcasts we talk about how when god asks a question it's not that god doesn't know the answer and if we look carefully at the questions that god asked in the book of genesis when he came to adam for example and he said adam where art thou it wasn't a question that God didn't know where Adam is and Adam is so well hidden that God can't find him. It's a question of God saying to Adam, Adam, are you aware of what's going on inside of you emotionally? And it's the same with Cain. After Cain had killed his brother Abel, God came to Cain and said, Cain, where is your brother? And so we see in Scripture this appeal for people to be able to examine what's going on. Maybe uh, Cain was pushing away his guilt and not, not dealing with the guilt that he's feeling after having killed his brother. So God is trying to pull that out and say, what's really going on with you? And the question that that has been the question is being used as a catalyst to help him to go into his emotions but if we look in scriptures we see in other passages such as in psalm 55 that david talks about his emotion david talks about being in anguish and that his thoughts trouble him and that he wished that he would have, have wings like a dove that he could fly away and be at rest. So David was someone who was in tune with what's going on in his emotion. And I think that it is because of that quality and of course others that God said of David, he's a man after my own heart. So why is it so important that we foster emotional intelligence? What impact does it have on our relationships? Without emotional intelligence, couples live in this existence of separation where you can be with someone day in, day out, but still feel lonely, feeling as if you just can't get through to, to know that person or to have a close connection with them. One of my clients put it this way. She said, I love my husband very much and we have a good relationship, but I always feel as if there is a wall that I cannot quite get through. And the reason that she's feeling this is that her husband doesn't talk about his feeling, never express. When she would say, how was your day? It's just a one word answer, good. And so this, this lack of communication, this lack of revealing what's going on inside lead to this life of, of living the separate lives, even though they're, they're, exist, they're living in the same home. And I'm just picturing as you get that feeling of distance, that the, the impact of that distance, the pain and the hurt that that can have in those relationships as well. So, Michael, we, we've framed the show as having five qualities or five um, signs that a couple is emotionally intelligent. I'm wondering if you can begin to describe what those signs are. 
The first sign of emotionally intelligent couples is that they have this ability to talk about difficult issues. That's a very important uh, point, a very important quality to have. There are many couples that they they are in relationship for years, sometimes as much as 30, 40 years, and there are some issues that they never talk about. And the quality of the relationship is being affected. People are unhappy. So some of the big topics that people are afraid to talk about, for example, is sex, the quality of someone's sex life. Or finances is another big big uh, topic that people avoid. And some, some women will say, I am unhappy, but I could never say to my husband, I am dissatisfied because it would hurt his feelings. And so for seeing, I guess, then those big issues come up, it's a, it's a healthy sign. Um, what other signs do we see when a couple's experiencing healthy emotional intelligence? I'd like to give an example of that first and just yeah. before we move on, because I think it's very important for us to see that when it comes to these things, we see them in the Bible. In Genesis 25, verse 21 to 23, we see that uh, Rebecca, the couple Isaac and Rebecca, that when she was pregnant with Esau and Jacob, she had a vision from God. And in this vision, she had she was told that the older son would serve the younger son. And so this goes against everything that was cultural at the time. And what ended up happening is that she never told her husband, as far as we see from Scripture, that she had this dream. Maybe she felt he would be hurt if he was to hear that it would work out, that the, the older son would not be the one in charge as was customary. And so what Rebecca ended up doing, she ended up becoming manipulative. She ended up favoring the younger son and developing plans to override what her husband Isaac wanted because they never had that discussion, that intimate discussion to talk about that big topic in their relationship. That's, that's such a great example and really paints it in such a clear way. So um, now that we have that lovely picture in our mind of um, the story of Rebecca, um, what are the other signs that we see? The second sign is that emotionally intelligent couples are sensitive to the needs of each other. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 3 to 4, we are told that the husband's body does not belong to him, but to the wife, and that the wife's body does not belong to her, but to the husband. And I know that that particular passage is talking about when it comes to is talking about the sexual sexuality within a relationship but that principle holds true for all areas of the relationship and let me explain it this way if you have a relationship in which people are not sensitive to the needs of each other then what ends up happening is that you have selfishness taking center stage and when selfishness takes center stage, the quality of the relationship deteriorates and no one's needs, no one needs is met in that situation. So Jesus uh, talked about the, the, the principle of giving to get 
when he said, Give, and it shall be given unto you, shall men give unto you, good measures pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But surprisingly, many people go into relationship thinking about how much their, their partner can give them instead of what they can give to the relationship. So it's not all about what you can get out of a relationship. It's about what you can give. And when each partner is sensitive to the needs of the other. You have a relationship in which both partners get their, their needs met. You have a relationship in which selfishness does not take place. And you have a relationship in which both partners are connected emotionally. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. If you missed the first half of today's show, I encourage you to visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546. This week, we are talking about the five signs of emotionally intelligent couples. And thus far, Michael, you've painted a beautiful picture of our first two signs where people are able to talk about the big issues and people are very sensitive to the needs of the other person in their relationship. What is sign number three? The third sign is that emotional intelligent couples, they have passionate but controlled fights. Okay, you're going to need to give me an example of this, Michael. <laughs> so passionate but controlled fights are fights in which both partners can express their strong views about the issue at hand, but at the same time does not resort to dysfunctional behavior such as breaking things or speaking so loudly that the neighbors have to call the police and not hurting each other in the words that they use. So it's it's possible to be passionate about something, to, to, to stress your your view as to why it's right and yet to do, and yet do it in a respectful way. John Gottman's eminent psychologist talks about the the four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to couples relationship and he talks about things like stonewalling, stonewalling where one partner becomes so upset and hurt that they withdraw. Or he talks about criticism in which you personalize the relationship in 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 other words personalize the problem. In other words, you're not talking about the problem anymore. You're criticizing the person themselves. But John, Got John Gottman also goes on to talk about this sense of contempt that people have when they when when they fight in other words they, they become so so contemptuous of each other that they start using derogatory language or they start putting down the person in disrespectful way and when you have fights with those kind of things this is not a passionate but controlled fight as a matter of fact john gottman uh, through his research showed that couples that are happily marriage have the same amount of fights or, and sometimes more fights than other couples who have divorced, but it's the how they go about fighting that makes the big difference. So so what's interesting to me and what you've said there is I totally appreciate why I can't throw a pot across the room in terms of having a fight or a discussion, so to speak. But But why is the passion important? Why is it important there is a degree of passion as we're having a disagreement in a couple or bringing something forward. I, I, I get why I don't throw a vase, 
But why is it important to have passion at all in that conversation? That, that's so very, that's such a good question, Melissa, because sometimes people think that if they don't fight, then the relationship is healthy. But conflict is an opportunity for the, the relationship to grow. And when you don't have passion, it can be a sign that people no longer care about what's going on in the relationship. So when a couple comes before me, and they have counseled maybe thousands of couples, when a couple comes before me and they start saying that we never fight, it's a red flag to me. Because it could either mean that they're 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 not they're they're they have tuned out of the relationship so they don't care what happened it could mean that they're afraid of the other person or it could mean that they're so insecure that they're afraid of making their needs known but emotional intelligent couples are couples who are passionate they they can talk about issues in a passionate way because they know that their partner still loves them and that they love each other and that having emotion doesn't mean that the relationship is at risk. So what is sign number four? Sign number four is that emotional intelligent couples have clear boundaries for themselves and others. Without boundaries, life can become very chaotic. And so boundaries can be in the sense of work, people who overextend themselves at work sometimes not because they have to or not because they 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 need the money but sometimes because they're avoiding issues at home work becomes this escape where they don't have to deal with the issues in their relationship but it could be other things too such as the in in-law relationships where they don't have clear boundaries so they have others in the relationship interfering in what's going on within the marriage and this is this can cause a lot of division between the couple and a lot of chaos and discord and so couples who are emotionally intelligent they're able to say we need to bond together as one flesh that the bible talks about and we need to make ourselves priority so that nothing comes between us so they're able to say no to, to in-law so that they can preserve their relationship. But you're also able to say no to responsibilities even in the church. And so this is very important for us to talk about because there are some couples that talk about people hiding from relationship issues at work. People also hide by taking on, by overextending themselves in the church as well. So emotional intelligent couples are able to say, I'm not going to take on that new position because it, it will take away from my relationship. They're able to keep this healthy balance between doing and working on their relationship so they don't go overboard and put their relationship at risk. And so as every time we talk about boundaries, I always find it's that thing. It's so much easier said than done. So do you have any tips for people in terms of establishing those boundaries? Because oftentimes, conceptually, it makes sense to us. But actually, when you're offered a position or your mom gives you the phone call and says, I'm coming over for dinner last minute. Is that okay? In your heart, you want to say no, maybe. But actually taking that next step can be really tricky. Do you have any tips for us? Well, so the first tip is using that example of, you know, saying no to... Yeah. to we were having date family. night yes. and now they are coming over with a casserole and I need to cut it off. How do I do this? <laughs> so that's a good question, Melissa. And so I think it's important for us to consider the difference between hurting someone and harming someone. 
Sometimes we feel if we say no to someone, it's going to hurt their feelings. But is it going to harm them if we say no? And I think there's a big difference because hurt means that they might be disappointed that they can bring that casserole over, but it does not harm the person. And so a lot of people sometimes avoid those no's because they feel the feelings of the other person is going to be hurt. But sometimes you have to hurt people that you love in order to establish clear boundaries for yourself. And sometimes even to help the other person themselves. Dentist might hurt you by pulling out your abscess tooth, but to leave that tooth in is going to harm you eventually. And so it's important to understand that hurting people's feelings are not necessarily a bad thing from uh, in certain events. But let us talk, talk about the example of the church. If you're offered position and you can do that position because it's going to affect you know it's a one night that you have to get and you've already volunteered for four other committees and you're offered this fifth one and you have to say no it's important for us not to develop the what i call the messiah complex and some of us as christians we have developed this messiah complex that you know we have to save the old world all by ourselves and unless we do everything within the church nothing is done like we are balancing the whole church on our head it's it's like it's like elijah saying that god i'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me when god said no elijah there are seven thousand others out there mm -hmm. that i have who have not bowed to Baal. sometimes we take on that kind of complex where we feel that we have to do it or it will never get done i i would like to to to, to say to you that if you were to drop dead the world would still continue the church would still go on and you know people would not be would not feel as if you know they can't do without the services that you offer so we need to keep that in mind that we are a small part of the puzzle and that everything does not depend on us i want to make a shirt that says hurt not harm so michael with that uh, what's the last sign for our couples who are emotionally intelligent the final sign of couples who are emotionally intelligent is that they are in tune with each other's emotional state. And this is such a big one. Because if you are not in tune with your partner's emotional state, you can say the right thing in the right way, but at the wrong time. Okay, so paint me a picture of how this plays okay. out. Okay, so it's the husband who knows that when his wife comes through the door after a hectic day at work, it's not the right time to bring up about the, his dissatisfaction with his sex life, right? And, and it's the husband who, the wife who knows that, you know, when her husband comes through the door and he has just had this, this hockey game where he's tired and he's sweaty, it's not the right time to start to... Uh, to, to, to criticize him and to, to chastise him for something that he left undone. Wait for the person to, to settle. So if we have an awareness of each other emotional state we can say well i know that the person is not at their best now they're tired or they're they are they are sleepy or they are hungry and so let me get let me take a break before i bring up what i have in mind to say to them but a lot of times we don't do that we just blurt out right away what we have in mind because we can't hold it it's a very beautiful 
uh, example of someone being able to hold in emotions until the right time. And it's a story of Nabal and Abigail. And if you think about it after uh, Abigail basically saved her husband's life after he's insulted David and Abigail went and provided David with all the substances that he needed for his army and saved her husband's life and she came back. She could have been so angry at her husband for disrespecting David. She could have come right in and started telling him about the bad decision that he made. But the Bible tells us that when she came and she saw the state that her husband was in, Nabal was in, that is in 1 Samuel 25, 36, that she waited until the next day before she said anything to him. And I think that's profound because having passion is good, but you need to know the right time. You need to be in tune with each other's emotional state. So I'm picturing this couple in my mind now since you've explored these five signs of being emotionally intelligent. If someone's listening today and maybe they're not identifying with the signs we've talked about and maybe they feel they are in a relationship that isn't really emotionally intelligent on one or both parties, what steps should they do next? Well, first of all, I think it's very important to be able to assess where you are in terms of these things that we are talking about. If you have listened to this show and you realize maybe I, I am off in one or two, we do have a 20-point questionnaire that we have developed at ELIM to help couples to assess where they are and whether or not their relationship is in danger. So I say it's good to know where you stand. So I would say write to us, contact us uh, by calling us for this 20-point questionnaire. The second thing is that if you are sure, I've listened to this and all of these things, <laughs> I can see that I am failing and I know that I'm in trouble. The, the, the good thing is that when it comes to emotional intelligence, this is something that can be taught. And so many of the couples that I counseling my practice and the other counselors at ELM Council come in being with their emotion with their relationship being in danger of of divorce and of falling apart. And by getting the right kind of help, they're able to turn things around and have a better quality relationship. So if you feel that your relationship is in danger, then a good thing to do would be to reach out to help. Get the questionnaire that we have, but also reach out for help so that you, you before it's too late. And so that number again is one 544 3546 Again, one 877 5443546 if you want to reach out to get a copy of that survey um the questionnaire that Michael just explained there it's really great to know where you're starting at so Michael with the time we have left what final thoughts do you have about how we can foster emotional intelligence in our relationships well i think it it's important for us to stay connected and by staying connected is start thinking about the other person i think that's a good place to to start by just saying what's going on with my partner. And you know the wonderful thing about that, Melissa, if both individual in a couple is to, is to start by doing that. What's going on with my partner right now? Put yourself in the other person's shoe. What is this person feeling? And if each person were to do that and start be, start attending to the other person, then I think the quality of the relationship would 
would improve in leaps and bounds. But I think a lot of times we get into this me mentality where it's all about me and the other person doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the, the profound uh, and very important point that I would like to drive home today, uh, this morning. And so we have come to the end of today's show, but let me say that if you have listened to this show and you need help, as Melissa said, you can reach out to us at our toll-free number, one 877 We also like to remind you that we are a non-profit organization and that you can support us by sub- subscribing to this video on YouTube. You can also support us by donating at our YouTube site. We, it's so set up that you can just click the donation button and you can donate for as little as five dollars monthly that will go a far way in helping us to offset the cost of providing subsidized counseling to others so again this is michael hart of elam counseling service i want to thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the life transformation show and so until next time i pray that god would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.